I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. back, folks. Welcome back to Resource, real talk about Louisville real estate. I am your host, Jay Pitts, broker owner of REMAX Premier Properties, leader of JT Pitts & Associates. Before we get started today, as a reminder, you can find us on Facebook via our private Facebook group. If you are a real estate agent, request access. We'd be proud, maybe, maybe I dare say elated, to add you to the group and the conversation where we talk about Things going on in the real estate industry, lots of shares, articles, developments, etc. happen inside the group, as well as going live on this show every week. Uh, usually right around noon on Wednesdays is when we like to go live. I won't say we're prompt, but we are pretty reliable. Um, second, I'd like to remind you about our new piece of content, JTP University, that we're putting out inside the podcast. Anywhere you podcast, you'll see it right in line with your favorite episodes. Um, JTP University is a short-form video and audio piece of content. Five minutes or less, usually more tactical tips, tricks, things going on in the industry, ways that you can improve your business and put into action now. We've got a couple of episodes live. There'll be another one going live a little bit later today. Um, what am I missing? Facebook, Facebook.com slash The Resource Podcast for uh, snippets. Also, Instagram at Realtor, Twitter at Realtor for show clips, um, you know, little teaser pieces, Instagram reels. You can find us. We put out a reel for the episode every week. YouTube.com slash Realtor. You can find full episodes of the podcast and full episodes of JTP University. Um, you know, and, and, and just a favor before we get started, if you like the content we put out, please give us some feedback however you see fit. We only appreciate five-star reviews, though. Only five stars. No. Seriously, we're on any uh, any platform that you podcast from pretty much, uh, at least the major ones right now, Apple Podcasts, uh, through iTunes. We go, uh, we're on you know, Spotify, soon, coming soon to Amazon Music and a few other platforms as well. But um, without further ado, let's get into today's topic. As always, uh, we try to center the show around something that can improve your business. A piece of information, maybe a national headline, maybe a story, maybe a tactic or you know a trend that we're seeing here in the Louisville market. Sometimes we talk about national, sometimes we talk about local, but if we talk about national, we talk about how it applies local and something that a lot of realtors nationwide are encountering, dare I say all realtors are encountering nationwide, is what I'm calling the inventory crisis, because I do believe that it has crossed over from a disparity, from a challenge, from an issue to near crisis level. Louisville is teetering right around a thousand active listings on the market right now, which is an insane seller's market. Insanity is what it is. 
You know, I saw a joke from one of my favorite meme accounts at Actually Agents on Instagram. It was just a white, just a white square, Seth. White square in the feed, right? It's all it said. And the caption said, all the listings you can buy for list price are less. And the truth is, it's there's really an enormous amount of truth to that because every single listing that hits the market uh, that sells, you know, there are certainly some that are being quite ambitious and opportunistic and, you know, taking advantage that don't sell at all, um, whether that be price or condition or what have you. But all, near all the listings, if not all the listings I see are selling above list price. You know, I also saw a joke that I shared on my Instagram stories today that was, was a man holding the cardboard sign, Seth, you know, where they write the funny message and they change it and it kind of gets shared around the internet. And it was a guy with this really like desperate look on his face and the, the, the Sharpie writing on the cardboard said, stop posting about selling houses over list price. And isn't that the truth? Okay, selling a house above list price doesn't make you a good agent in this market. Okay, selling a house in six hours above list price doesn't make you a good agent in this market. I, I sit here, and this is this is a digression. This is not today's topic, but you become successful at marketing your service in real estate when you learn how to be a contrarian. We talk about it all the time. Don't go the way everyone else goes. Okay, be unique. Stand out. Everyone is selling listings above asking price in six hours. Don't talk about that. Talk about how you leveraged a low offer against a high offer to get an even better one. Talk about how you saved the deal after inspection because that's when all the buyer, when the buyer had all the power in the transaction. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on my own message for today, so I'm going to get off the digression. I'm going to get off the tangent and come back, come back to the core of today's message. Today's message is that the most impactful thing you can do for your business right now is learn how to win multiple offer situations. But we've talked about that ad nauseum. The second most impactful thing that you can do for your business right now is learn how to hold transactions together. Because it doesn't matter how many you pinned or how many you get under contract or how many you know, you get ratified or accepted or whatever, whatever the terminology in your market is, if you're not here locally, regardless of the terminology, none of that matters. It matters how many make it to the closing table. That's where you find the happy clients. Yeah, there's a momentary celebration at the time that the house goes under contract for more money than they expected and everybody's elated. But if it doesn't make it to closing, everything is for naught. So how do you make it to the table? We're seeing double what I see as acceptable rates of, of contract releases right now. And all that's rooted in the contention, the contentiousness, maybe it's not contention, contentiousness, the fact that the market is contentious. How about that? Okay. Um, contentious is an understatement. Right now, sellers have so much leverage that, and they wield it in the negotiation with the buyer that they leave oftentimes the buyer in a position when, where they need to get revenge when the shoe's on the other foot. Now, I'm going to talk to you about leverage in a moment because it's a strategy. It's a power that exists 
only um, by those who harness it, but um, leverages why we have deals that are contentious. So I'm going to get into that here in a minute, but I'm going to give you a few tactical, just very specific and, and applicable strategies to make it to closing with 90% effectiveness rather than 80%. Right now, we're looking at about 20% release, slightly higher on the buy side than it is on the list side. Uh, listings are a tad bit more reliable. Um, but but that just goes to show you the fact that the releases on in, in our organization are similar on the buy and the list side when the seller supposedly holds all the power tells you that you can't count those chickens before they hatch. You just can't count on a transaction to close until you're at the table. They sign on the dotted line. It's funded and everybody walks away. Those who expect keys have them and those who came with them no longer do. And I hope that makes sense. All right, so let's get right in. First and foremost, the thing that you must do to avoid having deals needlessly cancel is you must explain the process. Now, this applies in what I'm going to call the three most likely um, reasons or causes for canceled transactions. This, this particular albeit obvious, mundane, boring, what have you, however you would like to characterize it. I feel quite, quite confident that it's not an exciting process to, or it's not an exciting thing to explain the process um, at length, right? People want to take your word for it. It's not exciting, but it is necessary. Okay, so the three most likely causes of, of transactions canceling are the cold feet phenomenon, the buyer you know, was leaned on by the market just a little too hard. They've offered a little more than they wanted to. They, you know, gave terms that they didn't appreciate and went home and started talking about it and found a lot less value there than they thought. They got wrapped up in the moment. Okay, so they walk away because they get cold feet. Number two, and most prevalent, is the inspection process. Now, that could be in our market, where there's a unilateral right to cancel in the contract for the buyer, as long as they hire a professional inspector, that may be they have an inspection and then they decide uh, to not make a request based on the findings or an extension of the kind of cold feet, cold feet phenomenon. Um, I'm going to I'm going to leave that as an inspection cancellation, and or they they attempt to negotiate the things that they see fit, whether that be reasonable or not, and they don't come to an agreement with the seller and the deal goes bust for that reason. Number three, and probably far less prevalent, but more prevalent than normal, is the appraisal. House doesn't appraise. Buyer and seller can't come to terms with a renegotiation of price as a result of the low inspection and, or the low appraisal, and the deal goes kaput. So explaining the process though boring and mundane, is incredibly necessary. And I mean go into super deep detail. Okay? You're going to have a hard time finding 
a buyer willing or a seller willing to sit through that without you conveying how necessary it is. And let's just talk about why it's necessary because they hire you because they trust you and they expect you to take care of it. And, and by some extension, that is to help them avoid a negative outcome, even that when that's not possible. But it's really necessary, despite them wanting to just put it in your hands, the Jesus take the wheel kind of phenomenon, right? They want to just put it in your hands, but you have to explain the process because the familiarity with the process that they gain from having that knowledge, being explained the process, the potential outcomes and the solutions, the potential negatives, drawbacks, the benefits, okay, breeds familiarity that they need to become comfortable and committed to the transaction coming to a positive conclusion, to a closing. People fear what they don't know. People fear what they don't understand. When a potential pitfall can be expected, even in the slightest amount, even if they don't recall everything you taught them, they recall something. They recall the fact that you made a point to teach them, to warn them, to help them understand what could happen. And that makes them more committed to following through, making effort, making a, an attempt at common ground with the other side in the transaction and, there, and therefore allowing you to shepherd them through the transaction to the closing that they wanted to see happen. Because buyers, sellers, clients, people, they are their own worst enemy. They are their own greatest barrier to achieving their desired outcome. Emotion wins in a lot of cases rather than reason. And you must be the voice of reason. And if you've gotten there and pre-framed that potential outcome before it happens or it materializes in real life, they're much more likely to take your advice. And after all, that's why you're involved in the first place. That's why they put their trust in you. Things work their way out for a reason. Okay, so discuss the process. What does that mean? Number one, it means discussing the phenomenon of leverage. Phenomenon must be the, the word of the day. But um, I think that's like a fifth time I've said it. But it is a phenomenon, and it is something that exists. And if you don't know what I mean by leverage, leverage could be, you know, one kid using the seesaw to lift the other kid in the air. It's a tool. It can be, you know, hiring staff to assist you in your business so that you leverage your time more effectively to accomplish more. Or it could be the power that one has in a negotiation based on truths, facts, norms, market conditions. Right now, the seller has all the leverage in the beginning of the negotiation because there are few homes to sell and lots of people who want them. So the seller has leverage to get their way over the buyer. But that doesn't, that doesn't stay that way entirely. The seller has so much in the beginning now that they always have the threat to go back to start over. And when they start over, uh, they've got a pretty good chance of getting what they want again. 
But once a, once a property goes under contract, usually at terms favorable to the seller, the balance of power or the leverage shifts in the buyer's favor. Here in Louisville, we have a unilateral right to cancel in our contract. And unless that is amended, which it more than likely won't be because the seller is going to yield, wield that leverage, it's going gonna, it's gonna to exist in 99.9% of transactions that get struck here. Okay, So when the buyer gets the property tied up off the market, no longer at risk of losing it to the bid of another person, there is no possibility for someone overstepping them. There are backup offers, which gives the seller a little more leverage, but um, the buyer still reclaims some of the leverage with the unilateral right to cancel that's in our contract. Now, I wish that this wasn't the case, uh, but I don't, you know, I don't get to wave a wand here. I don't get to, you know, expelliamos that, um, you know, clause from the contract. I think it's detrimental to most people achieving their goals, but, uh, you know, they didn't ask me. So we'll deal, we'll, we'll play the cards we're dealt. And we'll understand that the buyer gets some of the leverage back once it's off the market. Now, once the buyer releases that inspection contingency after negotiating, then the leverage goes back to the seller. So what I'm suggesting is that you play this out with your client. You have this discussion. You discuss with them where the leverage is in the beginning, where it goes once the contract is is accepted, where it goes after the inspection contingency is released, what happens when the appraisal happens, and who gets to dictate the terms with respect to closing, because who has the power? Listen, it's not, listen, it's not the most enviable position to be in as a buyer right now, but you know, in a lot of people's minds, it sure beats renting. So they're willing to do what it takes to be successful. The evidence of that is the fact that houses are selling above list price, waiving inspections, waiving appraisals. All of that must be contended with. But the truth is, the buyer and the seller should know how the market requires that they operate. If you don't tell them they don't know, they may think that this is completely normal. Explain the process. Breeds familiarity helps them grow comfortable in the transaction and committed to it and willing to go to the closing table. Beyond that, let's discuss the individual contingencies. What does it mean when a house and house under appraises? Is the seller required to accept the amount? Is the property rubber stamped at that point? Maybe. If it's an FHA loan for six months or a year, it might be. If it's a VA loan, maybe. If it's a conventional, maybe not. Can you argue the appraisal? Yes, but it's not effective. Does the seller have the ability to dig their heels in and say, nope, I'm not taking anything off the price? The answer to that is yes, but does the buyer have the capability to execute? I know I'm talking fast, guys, but I can't get into every example of what could happen. But a good real estate agent knows this. They know where the leverage is. They know how the contingencies operate. They know... The, the barriers to closing a successful transaction, appraisals, inspections, and contingencies in the contract are that. If you explain to the buyer or the seller, regardless of which one you're representing, how these things operate with incredible specificity, then when it happens and be, when it becomes a challenge, they're already prepared for it. So my, my suggestion is slow your client down long enough, regardless of how experienced they think they are, regardless of how little they want to hear it, 
and do like I do with my three-year-old. Figuratively, of course, you grab the side of their face and you look them in their eyes and you make sure they're paying attention to you. You even drop your voice if you need to and give them a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of low tone, little, little, you know, 80s DJ voice, right? But <laughs> I, I kid. But seriously, like in a figurative way, that's what I want you to do. I want you to calm them down by explaining to them why it's important that they pay attention to you. Okay? No, no, seriously. Like, don't listen to me today and decide it's not worth having this conversation and then lose transactions because of it. Because, you know, that's what we do for a living, right? And our success is what gives the market the confidence that we'll be able to repeat that success. So, you know, if you don't close this one, then you don't get referrals and you work twice for the, you know, you do twice the work for the same money, but you know, that's, those, those are the breaks, right? All right, let's go back to it. Possession. Possession is an extremely important one. It's the most stressful time of the transaction, especially if you're selling and buying. Trying to, the 72 hours before and after, a day before and a day after the closing date when you have a simultaneous possession deal where you have a sale closing, movers, packing, shipping, boxing, moving, closing, closing, unboxing. It's the most stressful time that most people encounter in their lives. Okay, now that's a privileged amount of frustration. I get it. If you're a homeowner, you're in pretty good shape these days. But it's incredibly stressful, and their enjoyment of the process and their likelihood to refer you hinges upon their success and their enjoyment of the process. And if you can negotiate post-closing occupancy, I highly recommend it because not only will it make your offer stronger if you're representing a buyer, not only are you able to wield that sort of leverage if you're representing a seller, very easily, but it reduces stress on both parties and makes the transaction more likely to close because less is constrained within a short period of time. I hope that makes sense. Okay, so a real quick note on the negotiation because this is not a how to win, but it's about, you should be looking for ways to gain an advantage and that is primary focus. But don't do so in such a complex way that you create a barrier to your own success. Structure deals that are likely to close. And what does that mean? Simple deals are likely to close. Rather than doing a closing window, specify a closing date. If you're a buyer and you wanna make sure the seller accepts your offer, get permission. Or get a, get, get a tip from the listing agent on when they would like to close. And use that to your advantage, okay? Pretty simple, right? I mean, don't, don't add needless, you know, checks and balances throughout the transaction that could cause contention between the buyers and sellers. You've got plenty to contend with just with market conditions already. All right. So let's get, speci let's get specific. Everything I just told you to do is the only thing you can do with respect to the cold feet phenomenon. Okay? Buyers get cold feet. The only way to calm their nerves is to help them. Help them understand the process better so that the curveball, they at least see it coming. Right? I'm a baseball player, right? I grew up, I played college baseball, my family's in baseball, my brother played professionally. My son's eight years old and plays travel ball already. 
we're baseball people, okay? When you're dialed in sometimes at the plate, you can almost see the ball spin when the pitcher releases it, okay? When you're not dialed in, you're lucky if you see the ball at all. And I'm telling you, when they break a, you know, a slider off the outside corner and you don't see it coming and you don't see that spin, you could, you could twist an ankle. I mean, you could look like an idiot. It's like the equivalent of basketball where somebody gets crossed over and they don't see it coming and the defender like literally trips on their own feet and falls down. Okay, That's what these problems look like to your clients because you haven't prepared them for the fact that the guy they're guarding has a killer crossover. Don't let them trip over their own feet. All right, so as it pertains to the cold feet phenomenon, explain, explain, explain. The most prevalent release causation is the inspection. There's a couple of very simple things you can do surrounding the inspection that will give you greater levels of success. I'm going to go through these quickly because I don't want to keep you here all day. But number one, attend the inspection. It's very simple. A lot of brokers uh, that are liability conscious or fearful of liability will tell you that it creates it creates liability for you. I disagree. Um, somebody called me a realtor's realtor the other day, and I think, uh, you know, I'm not trying to give myself compliments, but I, I, I identify with that. Uh, and I do think it's a compliment, number one, and I identify with that idea because to me, if you, the best way I can help this industry in Louisville, Kentucky is training really good real estate agents. And the best way I can train really good real estate agents is by helping them achieve their goals through their clients' goals. Their clients come to them. They want to close on this deal. They want to sell their house. They want to buy that one. But I know that the client is the greatest barrier to their own success because emotion wins out in this intensely personal process rather than reason. And the agent needs to understand how to bring a rational, a rational and reasonable sentiment to the transaction. So when you attend the inspection, and, and probably number two, and I got a little ahead of myself, is refer multiple inspectors whom you know to be reasonable and rational, not alarmist. You don't want to refer someone as a part, and we, we, don't, we don't prescribe to steering here. There's not just one referral. You don't get to have a favorite. Um, you can say who you used personally. I think that's fair um, because that's a universal truth. I hired so-and-so to inspect my house. Um, but give multiple referrals to reasonable and rational inspectors who are not alarmist. Make sure that their unique selling proposition is not the... A five-star, better business-rated joke, paid-for advertising placement, don't let your realtor screw you over buying a bad house, home inspector. That person is there to be a barrier to transactions. That's their USP. Get people who want to participate in good transactions and then attend the inspection with your client. Do not let them skip the inspection either. And hear the results on-site, face-to-face, with your eyes on the particular 
issue that the inspector is is raising and let them hear your tone, see your reactions, hear the inspector's tone, see the inspector's reaction, have a conversation like human beings about a problem and discuss solutions. You can make that happen and what that will do is give your client the comfort to proceed with reason and a rational approach. Attend the inspection. Give trusted referrals, multiple of them. Help frame the results in a reasonable and rational way. Once you, the worst thing that you could possibly do is not show up, shows lack of commitment on your part, not express to your client why it's important that they show up, lack of commitment on their part, okay? Allow them to receive the results and kick off the fear train at 10 o'clock at night sitting on their couch where them and their significant other take the spiral downward down the drain of despair and hope and think, why did we waste our time trying to buy this POS that's about to fall off its own foundation? But we all know that 99.9% of the time that's not the case. But when you look at a 30-page inspection full of defects, even if they're reasonable, minor maintenance items, it can be very alarming. That's what they're relying on you for. You may have done a phenomenal, you may have done a bang-up job between here and there, but you're not getting to the closing table very often if you let that be your inspection process. Beyond that, okay, you want to discuss, before the report is ever in hand, what the issues are and what your strategy for getting the seller to address them is. So the client walks away with an expectation that we're progressing, not regressing, you are their shield, but you're also their sword. You're going to protect them from harm, but you're also going to get them what they need. You're going to negotiate that outcome for them. And they know what the expectation is before they leave that house. And then they go home and they read the report. And they are reminded of your suggestions. And then they may formulate some questions. They may formulate you know, some opinions, and then you discuss them, but you're not starting from here trying to talk them down to a reasonable temperature. It, everything right here is smooth and even. And if it's a lot, I have, a, I have another suggestion. Take the items, the defects, and separate them into two groups. Easy and expensive, talking about the remedy, easy and expensive, Difficult and cheap. Almost always the results can be filtered into one of those two piles, one of those two columns. A, a cracked heat exchange and it needs a new furnace is a phone call, but it might be three or 4000 bucks. But cleaning the gutters is a pain in the ass, but almost anyone can do it. The seller will, and your client will see this, especially if you frame it this way, Develop a strategy associated with getting the large ticket easy items or, and, and usually in fewer quantity because less of them exist, okay? If you've got a lot of large big ticket items, then you're challenged. There's, I don't have any strategy for that. It's just, those are the breaks. You got to work your way through it. Do anything you can. 
But if you've got a few small, a few easy but expensive items as compared to a lot of little things, and, and most inspections will have some of both. You'll have an electrical, a plumbing, an HVAC, a roof, a windows. You'll have that. Okay, the easy and expensive that we're definitely hiring this out because we're not qualified to do it ourselves and it's going to cost some money. Okay, but it's easy to make those calls. There, there's that list and then there's the list of things that are clean the gutters, put down a vapor barrier in the crawl space, like paint in the you know what, but next to no money involved. And when you appeal to the rational nature of a seller, you can usually get them to agree to one course of action and you'll maximize your outcome for your buyer client if you stick in one of those lanes rather than asking for both. This is one of those situations where you've had a listing that's been on the market a little longer than it should have. It may be slightly overpriced and you know that if you'd have been a little more aggressive, it might have sold sooner. But the truth is, you didn't. And now you've got to contend with that past result. Well, if somebody comes in and offers you 25% less than list price, it's going to piss off your seller and they're going to get less. The, the, the buyer is going to get less of a movement from the seller than if they came in at 5% off and held firm. It's the difference between winning and losing, folks. It's just some very simple, very simple tactics. Okay, so on the appraisal, last but not least, just, just explaining the process, like I said in the beginning, helping the seller understand that they don't automat, they don't, they're not required to accept less. It's going to make them more willing to negotiate, helping them understand the consequences and the money attached to going back to market and starting over, helping the buyer understanding that starting their search over is going to cost them in an inclining price environment. The deal you have struck might be the most viable for both parties. And just working your way towards the middle. So anyway, in, in, in summation, like the answer often is, effective communication. Being a contrarian. Standing out for the right reasons. Okay. That's what's going to get you success. And, and once again, you fought, you, you, you fought through the gauntlet to get this deal under contract. We can't let it go south. This is what your client wants. If they tell you it's not, it's because they don't have the appropriate information or because you've allowed emotion to take over rather than rational thought. In my, in my mind, it's the second most impactful thing, second most impactful skill, which really it's all the same skill. It's just effective communication. But holding transactions together is the hallmark of experienced agents. I've seen that born out of my own business. The more experience I get, the less likely I am to lose because I don't like starting over. Neither does my client. I bet if you went back and looked at the number of referrals I got, from a particular client, they would skew in the direction of people that got it right the first time rather than ones that lost two or three deals before they got closed. Anyway, hope you enjoy our content, folks. Really appreciate you tuning into Resource. As a reminder, 
Um, you can find us on all major podcasting platforms, or coming soon at least. iTunes, uh, Spotify will soon be on Amazon Music. Uh, find our Facebook group, Resource Real Talk about Louisville real estate. Request access if you are a realtor. We'd love to have you as a part of the conversation. Also, go to facebook.com slash the resource podcast for uh, full episodes or, excuse me, clips there. YouTube.com slash JPitts Realtor for full episodes. Also, full episodes streamed live weekly in the Facebook group. That's why you need access as well as all the information sharing and conversations. At JPitts Realtor on Twitter and Instagram, Instagram Reels for show snippets. Don't forget about JTP University, our new offering, which is in. The same place you find the podcast, whether it be Spotify or iTunes, uh, five-minute tactical tips on how to improve your business. We will release those weekly. There will be another one live this week. Hope you enjoy those. Once again, for resource, real talk about Louisville real estate, I am your host, Jay Pitts, and we'll see you soon.